welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. My co-host for this segment is Darren Solden. Hey, Darren, how are you today? Hey, Jason, I'm doing great. Great. Our guest today was a person that I met early on in my career at the Manhattan Chamber. I was up visiting uh, in the interim between the time I had accepted the job and the time that I started. And I had a young lady come into the office to interview me for um, a local magazine and spent some time with her. And she did a story on me and taking this job. And uh, I have since had the opportunity to work with her on multiple occasions. So our guest today is Sarah Siders, director for Spark. Hey, Sarah. Hi. Hi, Jason. And if I remember correctly, you saw me with my mug that said 1 million cups on it. And you're excited to see that because you had experience with 1 million cups. And yeah. little did we both know how much entrepreneurship would play into both of our lives at that point. I know. We we actually started Million Cups in Norman. So that was yeah. fun. But you mentioned it. Entrepreneurship is a big priority of the chamber. Yes. And a couple of years ago, we were looking at creating a position within the chamber to specifically focus on entrepreneurship and had a group of local business people who approached us about this idea of a nonprofit where we could share resources and uh, have more programming for the amount of resources we were each spending. And that's what ultimately became Spark. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, Spark has come from a variety of relationships and programming that existed. Uh, I, I'd like to give credit where credit is due to um, some of the original founders of The Fellow and um, also Ironclad Coworking. They were the two co-working spaces that started five years ago in the region and so many of the relationships that came out of their connections in the community as well as the chamber and the university, um, the area chambers of commerce. The, that created just enormous energy, uh, which ultimately there was a need for a nonprofit, you know, to kind of house that uh, programming and take it to the next level. And so that's where Spark was born. Yeah. So let's talk about your personal story for a minute and then we'll get into Spark. That's yeah. So you didn't go to college to be an expert in entrepreneurship, right? You, you went for a different <laughs> reason. And uh, so talk about how you ended up from where you started to, to your position that you're in now. Yeah. So entrepreneurship is something that I think, um, you know, is sort of a part of some people's lives uh, from the beginning. And I remember that when I was in fifth grade, I started my own business on accident. I took something that I created at, you know, at home, took it to school and other people wanted to buy one. So I started producing uh, this little art piece. And that was my first business. And it didn't go very well, because I, I didn't understand um, supply chain and different things like that. I ran out of my product. But but I think some people are just designed for entrepreneurship. And so uh, originally, I actually went to school to be um, a social worker and ultimately decided I wanted to be a therapist. I worked on Fort Riley for nine years. And so I was really connected to the Fort Riley and Junction City community during that time, um, specifically focused on maternal mental health. And all during that time, I kept thinking, I want to do my own practice. I want to do, you know, coaching and, um, you know, help people, uh, you know, achieve their goals. And so I, in uh, 2016, I officially decided I was going to, you know, be a therapist and start a coaching and therapy practice. And um, in 2017, I started that. Immediately, I found that we were launching a 1 million cups that fall. 
And a friend of mine actually started uh, One Million Cups at the Kauffman Foundation earlier on. And I knew about it. I was very excited. So I got involved there. Eventually got recruited a few months later to be a journalist for um, Manhattan uh, MHK Business News, which is where I met you a few months later. And that's how I got connected to the business community. Um, I was just you know, telling the stories of, you know, business owners and things that were happening in the region while also running my own practice. Through that, I got recruited to run for the Manhattan City Commission um, on a entrepreneurship and small business platform. I did fairly well for being what I would call a newcomer. I hadn't been on the ballot before. I was um, even a little resistant to the idea of running for city commission because I thought, you know, nobody knows me. And this is really intimidating to be in the public spotlight. I've been able to be anonymous. Um, but it was an extraordinary experience. I met so many people and uh, and I didn't win. So that's the fun end of that story. Except that five days later, after election, I was recruited to be an organizer for Spark. And I had just learned about it. Uh, but I was excited because it was a continuation of the mission that had shaped up during my campaign to support um, homegrown businesses here in the greater Manhattan region. And so I worked as a volunteer organizer for eight months. And I became the de facto executive director because I was you know, building the branding and helping with um, the proposal in response to the RFP that the chamber put out. And I was able to step into the position as executive director in July of 2020, when we started right in the middle of a pandemic. That's when you do entrepreneurship, right? So it was um, a bit of a twisty, turny road. But I think, um, you know, I can see how it all connects now. And it's been really neat to continue working with folks from the chamber and the university who I met during my campaign. Um, so for me, it's it's all been connected. And it's been really neat to see how the mission of supporting small business entrepreneurship and innovation in the region has just continued to morph and develop. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, what exactly Spark does? So Spark serves as an entrepreneurship ecosystem driver, which is a lot of industry speak to say an entrepreneurship ecosystem is, as we know, um, a bunch of interdependent entities, right? So we think about ecosystems in biology, where all these different parts are dependent upon each other. And in an entrepreneurship ecosystem, everyone is part of it, whether you are a business owner, or you're a service provider, like an accountant or attorney, or a lender, for example, you might be a mentor or a sponsor or an investor, you're, or maybe you're not any of those things. You're a customer, though, you're you are spending money and supporting local business or entrepreneurs um, in, in our region and our in our state, our you know nation, and around the world, and so entrepreneurship is something that we are all a part of. But not every community has a an interconnected ecosystem that's healthy and allows new business and new ventures to begin and to start and to thrive. And so Spark is essentially our region's commitment to say, hey, we want to become a community that supports new business and makes it easier to start a new business or venture. We know it's hard. It's one of the hardest roads that you can take. But how do we make it a little bit easier by creating a really interconnected and healthy and supportive network for new business? And so that's what we do. Um, we are a nonprofit that is based in the community. We have public and private partnerships, which allows us to be uh, more agile. And um, it, it allows us to create partnerships across the region to support more businesses, which has been really exciting. Yeah, so you mentioned a community effort. Who are some of those key supporters really bought into and invested in Spark? Right off the bat, the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce, we were responding to that uh, request for proposals. And that was a significant part of our initial budget for operations. And, and that has 
we, that's been extraordinary. We have really enjoyed working with you and being that entrepreneurial arm of what the Manhattan Area Chamber is doing. Um, K-State Innovation Partners was also a key sponsor. And we had a private contribution from Mary Veneer, which also up-leveled our ability to be effective in the early days. And since then, we've added WTC and Kansas Gas Service as some of our initial first-year sponsors. And we're continuing to grow that list. Our ability to be able to invest in that program was based on the uh, faith from the city commission when we went a couple years ago and and made the proposal to fund the remaining of the programs to implement region reimagine and and entrepreneurship was a big piece of that and so yeah their their ability to fund us some additional dollars in that is what helped us uh, be able to do Spark. So one of the yes. other groups that we uh, Darren and I and the and the chamber have have been uh, trying to build relationship and work with over the last year, and one that you all have made a lot of uh, inroads is with the Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills. Talk about Sparks' relationship with the Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills and. And then some of the programs that have come from from that relationship. The Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills um, and Spark really, in some ways, have grown up together. They they predated Spark um, and have been around uh, as a group and an organization for a while. But last summer, there was a lot of heat raised around you know black owned businesses, and you know, of course, in a pandemic, what we discovered is that uh, there actually wasn't equal access to resources and opportunities for our entrepreneurs of color around the country. We were seeing that in, um, you know, just evidenced everywhere. And so along with that and the heat around, you know, civil rights, there was a lot of attention and uh, the Black entrepreneurs, you know, proposed several action items to Spark and to the Manhattan Area Chamber, among other partners in the area. And the Chamber and Spark were very responsive to say, hey, you know, let's let's talk about this. Let's work together. Let's collaborate. And so one of Spark's key tasks has been building relationships with, you know, for for minority business owners or building programming for minority business owners. You know, until now, if we're being transparent, we haven't had programming that's specific to, um, you know, specifically designed for entrepreneurs of color to address the unique challenges and opportunities that are uh, specific to entrepreneurs of color. And so our our partnership with the Black Entrepreneurs of uh, the Flint Hills actually started officially in March, although it was the result of, you know, ongoing discussions and relationships that we've been forming over a period of time. Um, and so our partnership is sponsored by Kansas Gas Service, and that has allowed us to focus on the four key priorities that we have together. Um, which is inclusive education and resources, creating new capital opportunities for entrepreneurs of color, uh, storytelling and promotion of businesses who are underrepresented, and the transparent collaboration regarding challenges and opportunities of the minority business community. So just telling it like it is and saying, hey, you know, these are some gaps. There's people missing from the room. When we look around the room, we say, who's not here? Uh, And that's, that's a gap for us in some of our programs and education and resources. And so when we say who's not here, then we make a specific effort to bring those people to the table. And so when we build this partnership with the Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills, what we're doing is we're building a, you know, a suite of entrepreneurs of color programming and education and opportunities for all minority businesses. And we're starting with this relationship with the Black Entrepreneurs. At the time of this recording, we also are working on a minority business directory and we're taking yes. information for that. And then, then, uh, Darren and I both have publicly stated, uh, Darren at the Leaders Retreat and myself at the um, Cities Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Task Force, that we should 
create a fund specifically for minority and disadvantaged businesses. And so yes. hopefully we'll see some action on that and, and it will have happened by the time this is released. Uh, you also yes. had a specific training program through Kaufman uh, over the summer that, that addressed that. And then you have another uh, training program that from Kaufman as well that, that will address a larger audience. You, you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Entrepreneur Business Basics is an entrepreneurship education program that it was designed with a focus on those unique opportunities and challenges of entrepreneurs of color. And it's the program was started in Kansas City uh, by somebody who had spent years as a black business consultant. And she created this program with uh, Kaufman Fast Track as the core. So Kaufman Fast Track is a nationally recognized program um, that supports you know, supports entrepreneurs through core business education. And it can be modified for different groups or populations or different business stages. And so we brought Entrepreneur Business Basics, which is a 12-week entrepreneurial education cohort to our region for the first time this summer. And this is really strategic because our region had not offered entrepreneurship education in this way until now. And so we just graduated that first cohort with 13 businesses graduating, which is really exciting. We also hosted a pitch competition at the end of the graduation and we're able to award $1,000 to one of those businesses that graduated. And then this fall, we are running Flint Hills Business Launch. So we filled that class up and we already have a wait list for the spring cohort that we'll be launching you know, next year. And so it's, it's, there's a lot of energy around entrepreneurship right now. Yeah. It's a really great time to, to see those programs launch. And I was able to attend the graduation for the entrepreneurial business basics course. It'll, it'll be fun to watch those companies as they grow. And, yes. and those entrepreneurs are, are really a, a group that I think was very invested in their time and energy in that program. And, and uh, it's exciting to see, like you yes. said, exciting times for entrepreneurs. So uh, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, taking a step back? Uh, why is it so, why, why do we do this? Why is it so important that we have startups in our community and have entrepreneurs and have small businesses? If we reflect on the, some of the community assessment that we received from, you know, Region Reimagined, that told us a lot about what we're really strong in. And we have a very strong public sector. We have these vital institutions with Kansas State University and uh, with Fort Riley. And those, you know, when we look back at history, we see that, you know, Fort Riley, K-State and Manhattan kind of all grew up together in the 1850s and we're all, you know, intrinsically tied. Um, but the thing with those public institutions is that you don't have as much control over how they affect your economy. So if you have student enrollment changes or troop movements, when you want to create more stability and more momentum in your economy, you focus on growing your own businesses. And so that's where, um, you know, entrepreneurship is one key strategy in doing that. We want to focus on helping new business owners and innovative startups to be able to be successful in our region. So we focus on business types and industries um, across, you know, every every type and stage. We are trying to support everyone. And the first year, we really spent time um, focusing on small business because that is the 92% of businesses that are starting in every community, right? That's that really wide foundation. So if you make it easier for someone to start a small business, then you're ultimately, you're, you're starting to change the narrative and the culture that this region, greater the greater Manhattan region, is a great place to start and grow your business. And here in your two and beyond, we're going to be focusing on building more infrastructure for starting innovative, um, high growth potential companies because they are net importance 
quarters of revenue and, you know, significant when it comes to job creation. And of course, that means that we're, we're bringing in new opportunities for prosperity. And we're also reducing the burden on, you know, the, the push pull with property tax, sales tax that we often are experiencing here regionally. We need to bring new dollars into the community. And we do that through building our private sector. And part of that is through entrepreneurship. Absolutely. We, we talk about all the time. If you look around at our largest private employers, most of them started as entrepreneurial ventures. And yes, and so it's incredibly important, not just for today, but for the future. So Sarah, we've kept you longer than we have (laughs) most of our guests. Uh, but that's because this topic is so important to us and, and uh, our relationship with Spark is extremely important to us. So highlight the resource hub, which I know is something that's really important to, to you. And then, uh, if you, if you have a chance, maybe talk about your leadership. And I know you have some very impressive board members. And, um, uh, so talk for a minute about, about your board and, and their role in, in the operation as well. Our online resource hub was an outworking of one of the priorities that we had in our first few months. So we got together with some of our uh, key partners, K-State Innovation Partners, the Manhattan Area Chamber. And then we work closely with a cross-cultural consultant, Dr. Jessica Elmore, um, to make sure that we have on-ramps that include everyone and we're not accidentally excluding anyone by just virtue of of not realizing it. So Jessica has been in in so many of our key conversations as we've been building and uh, connecting our ecosystem. So as we were doing that, we identified three key priorities, inclusive resources, inclusive capital, inclusive talent. So we got right to work on building a virtual hub that is 24-7 accessible. So when an entrepreneur has a an idea at 3 a.m., they can go to sparkmhk.com and they can access all of our resources, events, and learn about our programming because it's always there. And so that's where we house um, our virtual community and, again, all those connection points. The, the thing that's really cool about the resource hub um, is that it's able to track the activity of um, new users, and it gives us a baseline for what kind of entrepreneurial activity is happening here. And then as we're adding new jobs and we're, you know, building new revenue opportunities, we're able to track that as well, in addition to, you know, mentorship hours and things like that. So an incredible tool that we use, it's called Startup Space. um, And it's kind of the dashboard behind our website. So if you go to sparkmhk.com and you scroll down on the front page, it says join our hub. And that's what you're doing. You're, you're joining um, almost 200 users right now. And we're going to have, uh, that's going to continue to grow. And so we're listing people on there who are service providers, lenders, attorneys, marketing agencies, accountants, the people who are helping um, the backside of a business to to run, to start to grow. And then we also have entrepreneurs themselves, as well as sponsors, investors, business coaches, and consultants. Um, again, it's an ecosystem. So there's a spot for everyone, and we want to get everybody on there. Um, so if you're not listed, uh, and you're a part of the entrepreneurship ecosystem, which you know you are, go to our website and get signed up, because there's a spot for you, and we want to get you plugged in. In response to our very impressive board, I agree with you. Um, and, you know, the board existed before I came um, and was part of the organizing team. And I was like, wow, this is, uh, as you said, impressive. But also, these are people that I that I know from my campaign. So Kent Glasscock, the president of K-State Innovation Partners, um, Mary Veneer. Um, so, you know, Mary Veneer so invested in so many uh, nonprofits throughout our community. And she's been an incredible resource, is, is an entrepreneur herself, um, and is, is just so invested in, in our region. We also have Derek Richards, who is 
is one of the the key founders of the fellow co-working and is also an entrepreneur himself. And we added LaFaris Risby this year. Um, and she is a nationally recognized small business consultant and entrepreneur and has the uh, largest African-American business in Junction City. And she is a Manhattan Area Chamber member and she has been an extraordinary addition to our board. So, yeah, and of course, yeah. LaFaris just won uh, Top Minority Business of the Year. She for the did. Yeah. Yes. Which yes. Was great. We're, we're so proud of that. Yeah. Well, Sarah, how does somebody find you? Going to the websites, um, sparkmhk.com is a great way to get started. Of course, um, I'm always setting up coffee with people so they can find their place because I am insistent that everyone has a role in the entrepreneurship ecosystem. It's just a matter of where. So uh, that conversation is often held over coffee, um, sometimes happy hours or uh, Zoom. I am willing to do whatever. Uh, you know, even after this uh, recording, I'm going to meet with a, a new area of business and help them get plugged in. And so I'm always always talking with with people about helping them find their place. So if you want to contact me, I am always on email, sarah at sparkmhk.com. Should be fairly easy to remember. You can also reach out to us if you go to our Facebook page. Um, it's at sparkmhk and you can message us there if that's easier for you. Well, thank you for making time to be with us today. And we, again, appreciate our partnership. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Thank you so much. Appreciate being here. The Think MHK podcast is brought to you by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Don't forget to subscribe and like the Think MHK podcast on your preferred podcast provider, and you will never risk missing an episode. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. To find out more about today's topic or other chamber activities, please go to manhattan.org. And now back to today's show. Welcome back to the Think MHK podcast. My co-host for this segment is Charla Meisenheimer. Hey, Charla. Hey, Jason. We have... Three great guests with us today, although to be quite honest with you, I'm a little disappointed because when we booked this particular group of guests, I thought they would bring product and they did not bring product, uh, but that's okay. Uh, I will, we'll I will at some point yeah. get over there and, and partake. I'm going to let them introduce themselves because we have three people. I want people to be able to recognize their voice when they talk. So Jake, why don't you start and then and everybody introduce themselves? Yeah, my name is uh, Jake Vogelai. Um, I am one of the owners and I uh, do sales and marketing at the brewery. I am Adam Krebsbaugh and I am also one of the owners and do a lot of the beer stuff with the next guy. <laughs> I'm the next guy, Garrett Pullman. I'm a co-owner and brewer at Manhattan Brewing Company. Garrett, thanks for saying that. We did. We neglected to say mm-hmm. the name of the business, yeah, yeah. so I appreciate Garrett jumping in there and saying it. So thank you all for being with us today. Um, you all, of course, across the street from the chamber, so we get a chance to get over there periodically, and, and you guys are doing a great job. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves, maybe each one of you, and how, how did the three of you end up in Manhattan? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start off. Uh, I came to Manhattan in 2003 uh, to play football up here. I uh, played till 2007, graduated with a degree, went back down to Wichita, Got a job working for Tallgrass Brewing in 2013 as a sales guy in Kansas City. And so we moved up there, spent about a year up there. Um, And then I got promoted up to uh, the director of sales. Um, And then I moved back here to Manhattan in about 2014. And I've been here ever since. I love the town and there's no way we're going to leave. So, Adam, how about you? All right. So I moved here in 2006. Uh, K-State brought me here. And then I took a few years off from that to work. And then my last years in college, I was volunteering at Tallgrass Brewing Company. And I was filling growlers every Friday for about two years straight. And then once I graduated from K-State, got a job at Tallgrass and then just kind of moved up in that. And then here we are. 
I just want to say too that uh, for those of you guys who don't know Adam, he has luxurious hair. Um, he was known as Tasting Room Jesus back in the Tallgrass days. So you should come check it out. It's it's amazing here. I, I was actually just sitting here admiring it. Uh, Garrett, <laughs> why don't you tell us about yourself? Yeah, so I'm originally from Nebraska. I moved down here because of Tallgrass in 2013, where I was the head brewer for about six years. Um, once they shut their doors, hooked up with these guys and opened up Manhattan Brewing Company. And where from Nebraska are you from? Oh, way out west. Oh, way out uh, west. Yeah. Okay. In between North Platte and Ovalada. A little oh, place oh. called Sutherland, Nebraska. Okay. I've been out that direction. The other two of you, Kansans or Yeah, I'm from I'm from Wichita, Kansas. Okay. And I came from Norton, Kansas. All right. Way out west. All right. So but good good Midwestern group here. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling as we heard your backstory, what connected you all, but maybe talk about uh, the backstory of MHK Brewing and, and uh how did it come about that the three of you got connected? So we all, yeah, we all worked together at Tallgrass Brewing. Um, like we mentioned, Gary and I both started there at the same time, and Adam was shortly after that. And uh, once once Tallgrass closed their doors, uh, we all got together, and we wanted to fill a, a void in this town that was left over when Tallgrass closed, and that was opening a brewery, but we wanted to do it a little bit differently. Uh, we wanted to open a brewery that was much smaller and more focused on just Manhattan. Um, when we were at Tallgrass, there's beers all over the, the United States and over the world. And really what we wanted to do was only sell beer in Manhattan. Like we were like, we just want to be in Manhattan. We want to keep it simple. And so we got together and wrote up a business plan and really got together and tried to figure out what our core values would be. First thing was going to be quality beer. Can't do anything without sweet tasting beer. Second one was going to be we want to bring like a really great uh, beer education to this town uh, to really up the level of it, um, and the third thing was going to be community engagement. And so we want to be involved with the community as much as we possibly could, and really promote Manhattan as much as we could because there's still a lot of people that don't know how awesome this this town is, and we really wanted to show that off. So talk a little bit about your decision to be local. I mean that's you know you, a lot of people want to grow and like Tallgrass was um, but what's your decision to be local and, and why is that important so in our minds that is one of the main factors that that caused Tallgrass to eventually shut its doors when you're in Minnesota and Texas or wherever during that time and now more than ever when you go somewhere you go get a local craft beer people want local so that's that's the main reason I think the other is that we all live here uh, it's a great town already. We've said that multiple times, and we all know it. Um, but we want to raise our families here and create cool places to go to draw more people in. Honestly, like we we just we didn't want to travel around to those towns and spend a lot all of our focus and time trying to sell beer in places that you're competing with local there. Like we wanted to stay here and and really just just bring beer to people of Manhattan. So for someone that has never been into the Manhattan Brewing Company, what is the experience that they can? that they're looking forward to? Well, we want it to be a very open experience. Come in, uh, just seat yourself. Uh, You're not going to be bothered by servers or anything. Uh, Very relaxed and calm. Just come in, have a few beers with your friends. You know, linger as much, as long as you want. And again, nobody's going to bother you. We, We try to keep a variety of beer styles. So something that can fit everybody's taste. Even if some people don't like beer, I always like that challenge. Come in and I'll try to find you a beer that you really like or that you will go to. And uh, then that's just kind of how we've been going. Relax, kind of fun. We have games for people to bring. If you bring your family in for like game day, you want to watch the game there. But you have little kids, bring them in. They can do puzzles, play Jenga, play life, (laughs) whatever. It's trying to be a fun, relaxed atmosphere. So we're not a restaurant. Right. And so a lot of people come in looking for food with us. And, and we don't serve food there. We have some really awesome snacks. 
And we actually have some beef, sna- beef sticks and beef bites from a, a local farmer, Davis Farms. He actually uses our spent grain to feed his cattle. And then we make beef, beef sticks out of those cattle with it. And then we also infuse our beer into it. It's, it's, it's really awesome. You guys should try it. But we don't serve food, which is a big thing. But we do allow people to bring in food from any of the, the great restaurants in town. We mainly we really try to promote uh, downtown mainly because they're right there and they're awesome. But we'll, we'll anybody you can bring in food from anywhere you want. You can make a sandwich and bring it in. We don't care. So talk about what you all were thinking about. Maybe all three of you. You know what was going through your mind when you when you opened this facility that you have to have people come to in the middle of a pandemic. So yeah, opening during a pandemic, <laughs> we we got under construction well before the pandemic hit, and we were well into it by the time we were approaching the finish. So we didn't really have a choice if we could do it again. Um, I'd, I'd still do it because yeah. I want to open a brewery, but mm-hmm. yeah. I'd rather not have a pandemic. It's it's been troublesome to say the least. I mean, yeah, it was. There was some nervousness about it. Uh, we had to kind of pivot. You know, our initial plan was sell all beer out of our place, and because of COVID, we weren't sure if we were going to be open. <laughs> we we weren't sure if they were going to close all the stuff places down. So we. Some of the money we saved by doing a lot of the demolition of our place, we bought a canning line, and then we started to do rely more on uh, distribution to liquor stores and whatnot. Uh, so that was definitely a big change, not one that we initially planned. But you know, we we had to open or never open, so we just kind of went with it and, <laughs> and did what we could. And people started coming in right away. I mean, it was I'd see people over there early on. It was you guys were a hit right off the bat. Yeah, we were we were incredibly fortunate that this town uh, got behind us right away. I mean, that was that was one of the the we, there's a lot, there's a lot of benefits for for us being open during a pandemic, and it's hard to say that. And like Garrett said, looking back on it, if we could not be in a pandemic, it'd be way better. <laughs> but um, you know, when we first started off, we we knew there was going to be a challenge just to get people to be loyal to us. I mean, like like any new business is going to be like we got to you have to like earn your loyalty, and we we understood that. Um, one of the biggest things about COVID is it kind of sped that process up because no one was leaving, no one was going out of town. Uh, most people were trying to, to stay local and really support local. Um, they, we found ourselves in a position where we have a lot of really good regulars that are all local and they're still to this day really great customers and they come in all the time and they kept us alive during the pandemic. And so that was one of the biggest benefits of it is we, we gained this loyalty to this awesome group of people in town um, we weren't expecting to get for, for a couple more years down the road. Um, but another really, really, probably the biggest benefit of, of opening during a pandemic was we got a patio out of it. And <laughs> downtown Manhattan was gracious enough to, to go after the, or to put a proposal together for the commission and the commissioners accepted it um, for, to, to pay for our patios downtown. And that, not only did that change our business and it helped us out so much, but it also changed Manhattan. Like that decision alone brought Manhattan 20 years in advance because <laughs> we were we were lacking it and we needed it and we needed something to, to draw draw people in like that. And those patios are amazing. They make downtown look look absolutely gorgeous. And I hope there's a lot more of that to come in the future. But And, and of course, as a reminder, this, the patios were paid for through the Economic Development Sales Tax Fund. So a lot of times people will say, mm-hmm. well, what does the Economic Development Sales Tax Fund do for me or do for small business and and 
those those patios were all funded that way to make sure that the funds were available to do it because obviously sales tax is down overall yeah city can't afford to to find money to do projects like that and so um it was exciting to see that and just to remind everybody you opened uh, in 2020 which which month was it it was july 8th july 8th of 2020 so you just went through a ton of decision making before you ever opened why downtown versus any other part of Manhattan? We started planning and we were looking at places literally all over town. We looked at places by the airport. We looked at places on Highway 24. Um, when it all came to it, um, what fit our business model was being downtown. It just made sense. Like if we want to be Manhattan's brewery, um, we want to open up in the heart of, of Manhattan. And we, we, for, we see the heart of Manhattan as being downtown. Um, that's where the, the locals go. That's where the townies like to, like to hang out. <laughs> and you know, that's that's where we wanted to be. And we love the feel of downtown. It was getting better and better and better. And we wanted to be another step in the process of getting better in downtown. And um, we hope we've done that already. But yeah, that that's why downtown. It's in the heart of it. It's If we're going to be Manhattan's brewery, you want to be, be right downtown where it's at. In addition to the pandemic, you all had other challenges of starting up. What were some of those challenges that you faced uh, being a small startup right now in the community? I would say one of the biggest ones was getting a bank to believe in us. Um, we, we probably went to seven or eight different banks around town. Um, and honestly, the, the first one that we ever talked to, they actually talked to us. Um, and that's the one we went with is Bank of the Flint Hills. Um, I can't say enough about him. Uh, shout out to Matt Bulk. He, he was on us right away. And Honestly, we, we talked to everyone around. We wanted to see what was going, and, and Matt Matt took a chance on us. Um, we worked with uh, Jeff Koenig, uh, who was doing, uh, what was his name? It was Open for Business. Open for Business. Mm-hmm. And uh, we worked with him to get our financials right um, so we could present it the right way. Honestly, most banks said they would 100% fund us, but at the time, Tallgrass just closed. Uh, Wahoo was closing their door. They, they couldn't see past those two things. They couldn't see that what we're doing was completely completely different than what either one of those two w- did or what they were doing. And so it was it was tough. It was tough to get going on that end. Besides the banking one, I, th- I would say finding local vendors that were um, on some level that were competitive on price was a little bit tougher. But we tried to go with as much local as we possibly could. So if you had one message you could give to someone who's looking at starting up a business, uh, what would that be? And, and I'll ask each all, yeah. all three of you to answer that. Question. I'd say know your weaknesses. I'd look for them and, and address them as best you can. Ours, obviously, we both know beer and production of beer, and he's big into sales and marketing. Um, our big hole is financials, um, so accounting and all that kind of stuff. So that's where Jeff Koenig came in. Yeah, I would kind of go with that. I was going to say plan 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 <laughs> we uh we planned our financials for at least a year before we really got things going and just because we wanted to make sure every single thing was thought of and down and we had different contingency plans like whenever we uh, obviously we didn't have a pandemic button on our uh, you know planning <laughs> you didn't put that in there <laughs> uh, so we had to kind of pivot but we had saved that money like i said to buy a canning line and kind of we had some room to pivot and just plan for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Garrett and Adam both hit it on the head, but um, like Garrett said, know your weakness, but also don't let your ego get in the way. So when, once you figure out your weakness, like like don't say, oh, I can figure it out. No, go go ask for someone, go after someone that knows what they're doing, they can help you out, they can get it done the right way the first time. But also like know your target audience, know exactly who you're going after, and then don't just expect them to, to come in to you. Like go after them, 
and support them and they'll support you. So whether that's, you know, doing stuff with with hype or with, with other local people, if that's who you're going after, or whoever you're going after, like go after them too and support them and they will support you. So before we leave, I do have a question for the three of you. You, you obviously were nominated this year and were finalists for the Entrepreneurial Spirit Award. And we had set up a great table for you all with our incoming chairs, <laughs> uh, Summer, Summer Ott Dirks. And Summer, of course, is, is a good friend of the three of you. And halfway through lunch, Summer was still sitting at that table by herself. Um, and we were looking around trying to figure out where everybody was. Talk about what happened. Where, where were you guys for the lunch? We're, was- so we're small business owners, as you very well know, and we're very, very, very busy. <laughs> <laughs> that is the excuse. We, uh, I think we were like, oh, we, had, we actually were closed those days. And we were, in our minds, we were, we were going to be closed. We had some, some work we had to do in the back. And we were like full on construction mode. Like we were fixing things right away. Uh, and I, I think we were like, I was painting whatever I was wearing. It was like, like gym shorts and like a really crappy shirt. We were all in that kind of attire. Yeah, yeah. And then I got the text from Summer and she's like, she's like, I'm at the table waiting for you guys. And I look around and I'm like, we're closed. Like, no, you're not. And she texts back. I was like, and then my first thought was, ah. Crap. <laughs> yeah, no, I doubt that was your first time. Yeah. Thank you for keeping it clean for our podcast. So I, uh, I like, I rushed and went, had to go buy some shorts at Pathfinder <laughs> and threw on a t shirt that we had. And these guys were like, like yeah, we're not, we, we can't make it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I was doing. I just remember somebody came down, I think it was Garrett that came downstairs and I was in the middle of doing something. And he's like, oh, we have this thing, this dinner, this lunch thing. And 10 minutes <laughs> like right now it's like i can't do that <laughs> i'm doing this well it, it turned out fine but but i assume you all have had to make this up to summer somehow right oh yeah when, when summer gets to gets to try out all the the new stuff right before we release it we always go get her samples of everything and she always gets the vip treatment all so. right all right <laughs> well gentlemen it's great to have you here today and i do want to say in addition to admiring adam's uh, hair i'm also admiring jake and garrett's beards i'm not able to grow beards so it always makes me jealous but thank you all for being with us today on the think mhk podcast and good luck to you in the future thank you yeah thanks for having us thanks for listening to this episode of think mhk a podcast produced by the manhattan area chamber of commerce If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.